0: Hi there. This is Gary Turner, your Value Through Vulnerability podcast host. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming John Mervin Smith, who is the chief psychologist at the GC Index, onto the podcast. I found you on a wonderfully fascinating character, someone that's totally engaging and really really interesting you know he's got such a breadth of knowledge from his years um working in the in the space of psychology but at one particular point i felt that we were both talk, pointing the same way regarding the three principles around mind consciousness and thought and we didn't quite get there i'm not saying i'm right and he's wrong but it's just really interesting that i was sort of seeing things that he was saying in a more spiritual angle and i'm not quite sure if that was what john meant so you'll, you'll hear that conversation about halfway through really really interesting for me. Um, What I also really enjoyed hearing was whilst John didn't state at the outset the areas he was passionate about as we went through the conversation his deep passion for inclusion and fairness and justness came out in in further and further as we went throughout the conversation and I really enjoyed that and it was a really key reflection for me as well that you know it's, it's not always obvious that what we're passionate about front of mind but once we get into a decent conversation, you know, these things do normally find their way out. So, yeah, I hope that you enjoy this. I have really, really enjoyed this conversation with John. And, uh, yeah, do feedback to him and or myself. We'd be grateful for any feedback that you may be prepared to offer. Thanks very much. Hello and welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. This afternoon I'm very grateful to welcome Dr. John Mervyn Smith from GC Index to the podcast. Hello John. Thank you Gary, nice to be with you. Lovely, well thank you for joining us today and uh, thank you very much as well for testing a new model for the, the uh, Value Through Vulnerability podcast which is via a hotspot on your mobile phone. So, <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, I'm fe- feeling slightly exposed at the minute, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> if,
0: if you hear any shrieks on the uh, podcast yes, please be, please be, please bear with us. Yeah. So, um, John, just as we get going, would you mind kindly introducing sort of a bit more about who you are, what your background is and uh, what you're passionate about, John?
1: Yes, OK. Well, just a, a bit of context on me first. And I, I, I consider myself lucky, actually, because my background is psychology and... Um, it's enabled me to reinvent myself down the years, which for someone who can get readily bored you 'll probably like that gary too it's it 's an opportunity to do lots of interesting things so uh, over the years i 've moved from the academic world into clinical psychology uh, and then into the corporate world where I currently am i mean I suppose my my interest is it a passion we'll come on to that, but I suppose my interest in all of those settings is to understand how people work, how they get along together, what makes them tick. It's awfully cliched, I know, but that that has been my interest, I think from oh Gosh, I suppose, you know, the origins of that would have been family and watching my family interact and seeing the dynamics and thinking Why did they do that? Why did he do that? Why did she do that? And and, and I suppose that interest uh, has stayed with me Uh, and it it probably is more of an obsession than a passion I think. Uh, I've become uh, obsessed with making sense of why people do the things that they do. Uh, I I laugh but uh, you know some of that making sense has been as a response to watching things that I've found sort of deeply disturbing at various times. But so that's a bit of that's a bit of background for you. That's,
0: it's really interesting actually. I, I see this curiosity piece already shouting out um, sort of from, from an early age. You're just deeply curious about the human condition to some extent John. I'm sort of hearing.
1: Well cu- curiosity um, sounds a little bit sort of detached and I suppose there is an element of that in it but sometimes it doesn't feel detached at all. I mean I, I remember um, gosh I remember at the age of nine <clears throat> sitting at the back of the class in my primary school, I was always at the back of the class, uh, and we had, a, we, had a, we, we had a substitute teacher, and I remember it vividly. And um, he was telling us about the Holocaust. Uh, and I, I remember listening to this, feeling deeply troubled, uh, and asking the question, even at that age, why am, I, why am I having to hear this? Because you're hearing something that was almost impossible to make sense of. And, um, I, I, you know, that probably wasn't the beginnings of it, but that's a marker in time where I've, um, it, it, that's more than curiosity that that's a sort of a need to make sense of, oh, the extremes of human behavior, I think. Uh, and there are times when I do obsess about that, especially when I'm not getting on with my colleagues, but, uh that's that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's another story <laughs>
0: that's on, on that note as you talk about your colleagues so, the, so, so, so the, the GC index do you mind just giving the, any listeners that may not be aware of you know G, the GC index what it does how it's come about just a little bit of a lowdown on that be helpful John. oh
1: yes crikey I'll yeah I'll try and keep that one brief I mean uh, I've grown up with personality questionnaires, so I've been steeped in in that world uh, and um I know another of the themes that we'll talk about is is self-awareness and personality questions have been hugely productive 20, 30 years for telling us stuff that we ought to know about ourselves. Now the GC index goes beyond that slightly uh, and gives us ways of understanding, not ways of being, but ways of doing. So the ways in which people make a contribution to the world of work. Uh, So it's about contribution, impact, and understanding ourselves within that context and and it comes from uh, I, I will cut this story short, but it comes from um, organizations asking us to to find people who could drive transformational change. That was the beginnings of it and and, and, and hence the the, the the label of the game changer uh, index uh, but it's it grew very quickly into giving us some very neat descriptive complementary ways of understanding the ways in which people can be potent at work is that does that give you enough Gary for the yeah, no, no, are-
0: no no, no. I, I think it's lovely I, I think also um as someone else here that, that actually studied or got accredited with you on this particular process I have to say I'm, I'm really intrigued by your the ease with which you use the word obsession which of course is one of the scales in the GC index Yes. So you have imagination and you have obsession. And I think I just want to put it out there. I found it's the reason I went through the process for anyone that's listening is I've come across the MB- MBTIs, you know, the other sort of what I class as profiling tools that tend to take you from being a human and put you in a box. Whereas what I found personally with the GC Index, it took you from being in a box and actually made you more human. So I feel I really do feel as a much more humanistic sort of proclivity based system in yours than maybe some of the other models, which I which oh. I found interesting.
1: That's a that's a nice that's a nice bit of feedback. I, I mean, it, it's it's provoked and pushed our thinking in all sorts of ways. We we might touch on some of that as we go through, but um, yeah. Um, but but you're right. The core constructs are, uh, uh, you, you know, if if you if you decide to Google it, you'll discover lots on imagination, and you'll discover lots on obsession. Not most of it, not particularly good. Um, but we 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 fell into an understanding of how the two work together um, to create the ways in which people do make a contribution at, at work. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm sure you'll be offering links to people who, who want to read around it, but but that's the basics.
0: No, no, brilliant, brilliant. I think, so how do you, to come back to your sort of education, if you gave us a bit of an early stage overview as to your sort of interest in, in sort of people... You know, when you decided to do a doctorate, you know, that's a that's a big old commitment. Was that is that something that you always wanted to do as, as, as John sort of go down the sort of doctorate route? Or? Um,
1: well, th- there are a number of elements to that story. Um, <laughs> here I was in another, another academic setting with someone I admired hugely who was a clinical psychologist. You, you can imagine he would come in. His name was Bill and Bill would come in once a week and give us a lecture and one week it would be OCD and the next week it would be schizophrenia and so on and not surprisingly each week I had all the symptoms associated <laughs> with it with the topic so they were both compelling and and disturbing uh, lectures but there was something inspiring about Bill uh, and um, it was pr- bearing in mind that I got thrown out of school this was this was probably one of the first occasions when I felt that someone believed in me, which I think is an enormously powerful aspect of leadership. Actually, that someone believes in you, and uh, so it was a new experience at the age of whatever it was, 23. Um, but yes, it was Bill who inspired me to go on, on and do the do the, the the PhD. But I mean, the PhD simply reflects that academic curiosity to to understand something. Um, uh, and, and yes, in, in, in it went It went from there.
0: Oh, it's, just, it's really interesting to hear you talking about belief, actually, because quite a lot of this podcast, we talk around things such as you mentioned, awareness, vulnerability, mindset, these sort of things. But I'm hearing more and more, actually, discussions around be- the importance of belief in the workplace, but also belonging, John, is coming up more and more. How, do you, how can yeah. someone feel like they belong? Is that something that shows up in any of your work at all?
1: Well, yeah, it's a big feature of it. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a great fan of Edgar Schein and, um, you know, Edgar Schein would say the first thing someone does when they join a group or a new organisation is to say to themselves, what do I need to do to be accepted here? What do I need to do to have a sense of belonging? And invariably, people know that it's not enough just to be. Um, You have to make a contribution. Uh, You have to have, have an impact. Uh, and down the years, I've worked with many teams of all levels within organizations, and, and those themes are constant. People want to go to work to make an impact, to feel potent, to feel that they are making a valued uh, contribution. Those themes um, are enduring, uh, really. But but yes, and rooted in that need to belong. I mean, after all, we are social animals. Um, uh, belonging is dare I say it, hardwired.
0: It's, it's really interesting though, isn't it? Because you know, there's so much talk around future of work and you know, we're coming out of this mechanistic sort of command and control 20th century model, which is almost, in my view, and partly why I'm so passionate about doing these conversations, John, around this, we've almost gone too far the other way. We've become too mechanistic and that we're now sort of going, oh, we should be more human, we should be more empathetic, we should be more aware, etc. And it's almost like putting on this big handbrake and everyone's sort of coming back to, to trying to be more human again. I'm not sure if that's something that resonates, whether that's something you would challenge, John. Well, from um, I mean,
1: it, it, and it's part of the journey actually of, of the GC Index, because I suppose for for many years, when I've been profiling uh, people for leadership roles, that the typical formula has has been, "Oh, here's your competency framework." Um, And and the profiling process has been, to what extent does this person fit or not with this prescribed mechanistic framework? And it's been embarrassing, to be honest, looking back on that approach, because now, through the work with the GC Index, it's very clear to us that for all sorts of reasons, the approach needs to be, here's someone with talents, how do we shape those talents into what we call leadership so it's a very different approach from saying you know here's the framework do they fit and if they don't fit let's send them off to see a coach for however long um mm. I, I am a coach by the way so that's that, uh, but 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 it's a it's it, it's turning that process of understanding talent on its head um and away from that the, the me- mechanistic approach and i think that's great uh, I certainly welcome welcome that bit of recognising people as they are as individuals and um, understanding both their talents and, and how to use them and, and to uh, and to exploit them in the best possible sense.
0: Oh, that's great. And you, you mentioned that you're a coach as well. So did you deal with sort of a whole range of different people? Or is it sort of senior leaders? Is it just anybody that is using the, the GC Index, John? How, how do people come um, to work
1: with you? you know, it's a whole whole, whole, whole range of, of, of people that they're... they're I think there are, what are the common themes? I mean, almost necessarily the coaching process provides or should provide a safe opportunity, a safe space within which people can explore themselves, grow in awareness, understand their vulnerabilities and how they work for them not understand their strengths um, you, you, you know the description I give suggests it's, it's borderline counselling and at times that that's the case that's true um, but it should be a setting within which people can examine themselves think about their motives and motivations and and, and so on um it, a lack of self-awareness necessarily for all of us distorts our relationships Uh, and necessarily that's the case for uh, leaders in all settings too. If people aren't aware of their their motives, their emotions, their impact, it will distort their relationships Uh, and sometimes that can be very messy.
0: Mm. Really, if you were going to put out, sorry to put you on the spot, John, but I'm intrigued. How would you describe if you was at a dinner party and someone else had never heard of self-awareness? How would you describe it to them? For you, just out of interest.
1: Oh gosh. Or in terms of in terms of my my awareness of myself.
0: No, no. In, in terms of your descriptor. So, if you were describing oh, what does self-awareness mean to you, and you were explaining to somebody else, what what, what was it? What does it mean to you as a, a sort of field? Of-
1: Yes, I, su- I suppose uh, the starting point would be uh, an understanding of... And it's interesting, isn't it, you, uh, uh, what, what comes immediately to mind? It, it's thinking of young children running around <laughs> being uh, totally um, lacking in self-consciousness, if if you know what I mean. And, and then you see a point in time, when is it with kids? I don't know, is it eight, nine or ten or something like that, when all all of a sudden... Uh, they can become self-conscious. They're aware of themselves in the world and they're aware that they have an impact potentially upon others uh, because you know, they're constantly getting feedback about what they should do and what they shouldn't do and so on. So that, 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 that's not, not surprising. And, um, and, and for many people, as it has been for me, that journey, journey continues of saying, why did I do that? Why do I want to do that? why did that work for me? Why didn't that work for me? Why does that relationship work well? Why doesn't that relationship work well? And people examine that and that process of examination for me is is self-awareness. So we understand why we feel the way we do, what motivates us to do what we do. Um, And and for me that's at the heart of leadership. I mean for for me leadership uh, essentially is about having convictions hopefully that are a product to some extent of self-awareness um and having the courage to turn those convictions into something meaningful for people um, wow. does, does that... yeah. oh it's, it's
0: powerful for me that john the thing is there's a few things i want to unpick there actually so the first thing is this 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 might be interesting for you as um as a psychologist so i've actually had um an intriguing experience in the last six months, which is around actually going back to what you just said around you get, you get to a certain age, you become more conscious. It's really intriguing for me because what I found the last six months is that by dropping my thinking and not trying to overanalyze everything, I've actually accessed more sort of capacity in myself. So I'm not fearing something or worrying about something or overthinking something. So I'm always by trying to drop back into that more childlike state in terms of consciousness, sometimes I found can actually give you more more capacity to I don't know, to to, to access more realisation, to do more work, to to have more space, to make more impact. And I don't know if that can I don't know if that's a little bit sounds a bit woo-woo to you or not. I don't know. But it's really interesting you talked about you spoke about that bit at a certain age we do become more aware of what we're told to do and not told to do, etc.
1: No, I mean, that, no, it, what was the phrase you used? Woo-woo. But whatever, <laughs> um, that makes perfect sense to me. And, and you know, I guess as, as, a, as a psychotherapist many years ago, um, you, you can see only too clearly that disconnect and how damaging it can be, that disconnect between what people think and, and what people feel. Um, so if we distort our feelings or deny them, which takes a huge amount of energy by the way we think, it, it, it's not a, a recipe for, um, for a happy life, I don't think. Um, so, so if what you're describing is allowing emotions to come to the fore in a more accessible, uh, way, that, that just can only feel healthy for me. Um, hmm. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I suppose close up, working with people, um, I, I, I've seen how recognition of powerful feelings can, can literally liberate people, can set them free. You know, it's the old notion of the, of the truth setting people free because then they have more options about what they feel in terms of evaluating it, accepting it, coming to terms with the way they they are in ways that they may have denied themselves up until that point.
0: Mm, interesting. Thank, thank you for that. It's really, it's really interesting. And you also spoke about, with your coaching practice, You know, the key, key to that being this safe space. I had a wonderful conversation with Amy Edmondson from um, Harvard Business School a couple of podcasts ago around psychological safety and how that's now becoming a thing because of the, the Google Project Aristotle has now ca- catapulted psychological safety into the sort of mainstream. Is that something that... Do you see that being of critical importance to the future of work and how people relate to each other? This this sort of safety element outside of just your coaching practice, but in a sort of wider organisational setting. How does that how does
1: that look for you? Well, it's, it's interesting. I'm 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 free associating a bit here with you, Gary. So, so <laughs> but, but, it, but it's interesting thinking about our our work uh, with the GC index index, and as I say, it came into being as we were trying to understand uh, the nature of uh, truly creative people, people who who see possibilities that others don't. Your profile's a bit like that, so you'll understand that. But that combination of capacity for original thought, imagination, and and obsession, it's interesting. But but I think it's also helped us to see in, uh, in organizational settings how hard it is to create an environment that's conducive to that creativity and it's prompted us to think about the nature of play um and it, it, you know again if 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 you watch children children i mean the, the, there are no rules effectively children children play there's not a prescriptive way of of, of doing it uh, and and yet play can be hugely creative but it does need to be in a safe setting where expectation is suspended which allows Opportunities to to explore, to 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 play, to be creative, to pursue possibilities without that sense of it being judged or um, uh, rejected or what it, whatever it whatever it may be. Um, so uh, I can certainly see how the psychological safety bit. What's the theme here? It allows uh, exploration. Uh, it allows people to go to places where they might not otherwise go whether it's in a playful way whether it's in a you know and understanding uh, psychological pain way whatever it may be but yes it, it clearly has a value in that sense
0: yeah it, it, interesting do, do, do you mind expanding for the listeners again those that may not have come across the gc index in any big depth at the moment do you mind just talking just briefly about each mm. of the roles that show up as part of all the right, report okay. just out of interest
1: okay. okay um all right so um it, 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 uh, picture this if if you can then. So if you imagine these two constructs of imagination and, and obsession, so your, your y-axis is um, uh, imagination, your x-axis is, is obsession. What we've seen is that the people who are strong when it comes to imagination, and obsession we call um, uh, game changers, because they're thinking tends to be, it's interesting, you're talking about emotions earlier on, but tends to be uh, un- un- uncensored, free-floating. Um, it-, it-, it tends to allow for exploring possibilities that the rest of us may not entertain. Um, but we also recognise that there are those people who are equally interested in possibilities, people we call strategists, whose thinking is tends to be more linear, tends to be more analy- analytical. The sort of thinking that we encourage through our process of education, university, business school, and and, and so on. Um, And it's interesting that that thinking is designed to bring us some sort of security and certainty about the future. If this is how we understand history, then what does that tell us about the future? Um, How can we shape that into strategic plans and so on? and uh, then there are three other roles so uh, the the more task focused roles are to do with uh, we describe one is implementer driven to get things done uh, to feel competent to feel potent to achieve uh, effectively the powerhouse of most organizations i would I would guess people who who deliver, but they don 't deliver in a in a way that obsesses and, and, and agonizing that's that's the fourth one that we call. Um, the, the, the polisher uh, interesting folk um, who have a relentless pursuit of perfection even though they know deep down that that 's another illusion uh, but it but it holds them to that must try harder must do better this could be improved these are the folk who bring continuous improvement innovation to organizations so they 'll take something and improve it not the same as as um, uh, Possibility-centered creativity are game-changers. And the last one um, that sits in the middle of all of of, of this picture is um, people we call playmakers, whose energy, and we realize we are tapping energy as well as proclivity, but their energy comes from building relationships, orchestrating. This isn't just about being nice and warm and cuddly and, you know, get along extrovert types. This is about the skills needed to bring out the interdependence in groups and teams. Um, Interdependence has to define teamwork. It's at the heart of teamwork. And it's interesting how difficult it is to achieve, uh, often because people uh, struggle with dependency of various sorts, but our playmakers those people, when I've seen them in action, just extraordinarily skillful, um, mobilising the best in uh, people. Gareth Malone, do you remember him? Yes, the guy who on Um Just, just wonderful to see how the pleasure he derived from um, allowing other people to shine and bring their talents to the So a selflessness in that sense. These folk put group above and beyond uh, individual I've, I've, I've gone on gary not Stop at all
0: no no it's, it's brilliant it's really helping and just to give any listeners i say do do go and have a look I'll, I'll put the a link to the gc index in the show notes of the podcast but just to bring this to a life a little bit i'll just use my example of the last report we did when we were together in march so i was down as an eight um, game changer a nine strategist Seven. So scores
1: out of 10, Gary, remember?
0: Yep. yep, scores out of 10. Yeah, not out of 100. I'm not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and nine, nine out of 10 for a strategist. seven out of 10 for implementer, three out of 10 polisher, and three out of 10 playmaker. And what really, what really this helps me with a lot is that I used to be very impulsive. Um, sort of six, 12 months ago, I was not in as good a place. I was very reactionary, very frustrated in my role, et cetera, et cetera. And what this really helps me realize is actually, my strengths are actually more in the big thinking, you know, with that sort of strategist mm-hmm. part, I can still actually make things happen from an implementation point of view. But there was this creative part of me that has been frustrated. It was stuck. It was in an It was in a setup at the time that just didn't allow that to thrive. And by going through the GC index, it was just so clear that, Oh, I'd need to be doing more of that in order for me to get the best out of me. And I thought it was such a powerful reflection for me back in March it really was.
1: That's really, that's really nice to hear. I mean, you know, it, it's um, very encouraging for us that we're able to uh, it goes back to the self-awareness thing, doesn't it? But it's a different sort of self-awareness. And, and I think your story would also illustrate, which has been been wonderful for us is it would illustrate that it's a framework that can help you to think about complementarity. So you look at your profile and say, OK, I've got strengths here but who do I need around me? What sort of people uh, could bring out the be- best in me? Um, or where our relationship is one on one equals three. Uh, and a lot of models um, uh, tend to be quite egocentric in the sense that they focus on the individual, but they don't give us those, that same clarity of insight about, okay, and how do I complement folk? Uh, and again, that's the heart of, of, of teamwork, that interdependence of this is what I bring, but this is what I need uh, f- from from others. So it sort of it lends itself to helping people to be vulnerable by trusting, but in a very constructive way. Um, in my experience, you know, and, and you, you probably see it in the world of sport more readily, that sort of complementarity is, for most people, hugely satisfying. No, really. Is is there a particular, again, you know,
0: as human beings, you know, everything's changing in the moment. So how often do you work with when you work with your clients? Is there a particular period that you think is helpful in an organization to sort of rerun someone's profile? Is it just a case of as and when teams are coming together for the first time or on a project base or a new person into an organization? I guess there's loads of different ways you can use this profiling to be helpful. But is, if I'm in an organization for say ten years, is it good to do it every three months every six months, or what's your sort of take generally on on that john
1: that's a good question i mean and I suppose rather than it being an arbitrary time frame I think it needs to be question driven so what's the value of of doing it now so you know when i 'm coaching people who are in transition um you'd expect someone to change in, in some ways over time. You'd hope they would change. And and I think that's the other thing that um, uh, pleases me about the GC index. And, and I mean, I, I talk about it almost third party, but it's interesting how the, how the journey has evolved through the contribution of so many people. But um, it, 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 it also testifies to the, the fact that human beings are adaptive. We. we we can change. Some of us may be in small ways, some of us in in larger ways, depending on where we are in our life. But I I would want to, I would want to do it certainly as a coach at the outset of someone's transition to say, okay, this is where you are now. Um, These strengths may not get you to where you want to be. What do you need to do differently? What do you need to to, to tweak, change more dramatically, whatever it may be. And let's have a look at it again in, in time to see whether, that's change is reflected uh, in, in your profile, so that's probably the way that we we, we would do it.
0: <clears throat> no, I like I like that. I really like that sort of question driven. Yeah, it's at the point of need rather than like say something arbitrary from HR that says it's policy says X. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, well yeah. yeah,
0: we'll leave that one. We'll leave that one. Um, <laughs> um, just just out of, just out of interest, um, what's your um? If I was going to, in terms of where you're at today, as John. What, what do yeah. you think your profile would look like if you rerun your GC index again today?
1: Um, okay, so so if just thinking about the listeners here, hopefully with that picture in your head. <clears throat> so um, this adds a slight dimension to it, but what we found out of the five proclivities is most people have two strong ones that shapes their approach to leadership. <clears throat> now, my two strong ones are strategist. Uh, So, and that's consistent with everything I've been saying to you, Gary, is I have a desperate need to make sense of things. And so I look for patterns, I look for trends, I look for themes in my world, in people, you know, in family situations. That's what strategists do. Uh, You know, it could be... um, it could be a, a physician looking for patterns and trends in symptoms or a family therapist or but but what you also where you also see that is in people in in academic settings or in organizational cultures that requires a degree of understanding patterns and, and, and trends so the strategist bit in me taps into that academic part of my nature that wants to understand the links between things. The polisher bit is also consistent with that world in the sense that polishers need to get into a level of detail that gives them comfort that they've understood the pattern properly. Mm. So if I've got an idea, I'll absorb myself in detail and that detail will then allow me to test the veracity of, of, of the bigger the bigger picture. So that's how it works. For me, it's a bit nerdy. Um, it's a bit linear. It's a bit constrained. I wish I was a bit more sort of free-flowing in my thinking. But, but there we are. That, that's, that's the nature of it.
0: Brilliant. No, thank, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. And it just shows you that, you know, just for those that are listening, that's how it's so powerful because I'm only a three polisher. But if there's a piece of work that needs that support to really get to the detail, I mean, there's a big pitch for a CEO, you're looking to purchase another company, whatever, it would be great for me to be able to call on someone like you to assist in that project. And I think that's where it's just so helpful. So yes. Yes. Wonderful. Um, bit of a random question, but I like to ask all my guests this one, John, who, no. or, who or what is inspiring you the most right now? And it can be at work. It can be at home, just a general can be anything but just what, what comes to mind when you when you think of that what's inspiring you the most right now
1: um uh gosh i i could easily embarrass some of my colleagues here go for it uh, i i, I, I well i name named i'm not well and, and, it, and it's interesting g- g- going back to um the gc index because um I have a couple of colleagues that I value highly uh, and what the GC Index has done is allowed me to see their differences and and value them rather than be irritated by them because some of them can be pains in the backside because they don't think the way I do but I've suddenly realized, crikey, I couldn't think the way you do but what you bring is extraordinary Uh, and rather than you know, wanting to send them off and be coached to be different. I want them to do exactly what they're doing um, because it has such impact. And I've, you know, I've learned to to value it and live with it and say, cool, you can be hard work sometimes, but you know what? I'd rather you were that way um, because you bring something to this party that makes a big difference. And and, uh, well, uh, as I think about our small team, we're all pretty different. uh, And certainly, you know, when I see the the playmakers in action, which I'm not, you think, wow, um, I'll never be able to do that with, with the sort of, um, it's it's effortless, their approach and and very natural and authentic, and they're being themselves. Uh, And it's just a pleasure to see, see other people bring, bring talents that add to that jigsaw in a, in a powerful way, actually. I've, 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 so, so I haven't picked anyone high profile because I'm not sure. Sh- Good. Yes, people close to me, I think, that are, are inspiring.
0: That's wonderful. That's that's really love. Do you know what I really love? Just just to play back what you just said there as well, though, John. Was this your ability on this podcast just to just to say, Do you know, something? I know the difference. You know, and I'm going to value that difference. I think that's such a
1: powerful message. Yeah, you, you, and, it's and such it formed a, a message. it formed a basis for inclusion. That's much more meaningful because you say, who do I want on the team? Not, not, oh, you know, you've worked in organisations uh, and I've worked in organisations where the philosophy is, oh, let's just include everyone without giving any thought as to why. And actually that's more damaging than helpful when you get, you know, you get 20 people pitching up to a, a meeting and 10 of them don't, don't know why the hell they're there. Uh, what a nonsense that is but if you have some sensible way of saying listen we need your contribution at this point because it's different then the whole process of inclusion and diversity makes much more sense it's based on contribution and impact and not some sort of superficial nonsense like you know you you work for that team so you must come and sit in on, on our meetings or whatever it is um yeah so i'm probably getting a bit bit more passionate now Gary you've got got, got me
0: going <laughs> there, there, we, there, there we go okay we're now going to an hour-long podcast in 30 minutes thank you <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no I, I, I love that though because it's, it's really as you know so three of the themes you've covered beautifully today around sort of vulnerability awareness and inclusion they're three of the big big reasons I do this podcast at all so just as we start to wrap up John as you look at the work you do whether it be the GC index maybe your own coaching practice are there any sort of common themes that you're able to share, obviously without naming names, but there's certain one or two top themes that you're seeing where you're needing to support people at the moment, um, whether it be sort of with awareness or maybe it's to do with something else. Is, is there, are there any themes
1: with you being a pattern man? Are, are, are we talking about leadership?
0: Yeah, um, let's talk it from a leadership
1: point of view. Yeah. Right. Um, what, um, I'm, I'm, a fan of, I'm a fan of Warren Bennis. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know his stuff might seem a bit dated now, but um, I think his approach to thinking about leadership was was game changing at the time. Um, possibly flawed in some ways, but that's by the by. It, it showed us a way, a different way of thinking about leadership that that I value. And of course, it was, was it, it was Warren Bennett coined coined the. Or one of his co-workers coined the phrase, you know, um, managers do uh, do things right, leaders do the right thing, uh, and, and and as a starting point, um, it, it, it's something that you know it, 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 it's, it's, it's aphoristic, isn't it? I mean, it's difficult to, to fault that that one, uh, and um, and you know, I think the challenge of doing the right thing is enduring. You know, the landscape may change. Uh, particular challenges in as, as organisations develop, those things, the context of leadership may change. But that inner need to do the right thing is enduring. Uh, and and, and that's, that's a theme that comes through almost all of my work uh, with, with corporate leaders. Um, for themselves and for others, they need to feel that they're doing the right thing. And that's where it ties back into self awareness. Because how do you know that you're doing the right thing unless you explore your own motives and your own emotions, your own convictions, and whether you've got the courage to live with, with, with those convictions? Uh, you need to ask all of those questions of, of, of yourself and, uh, and, 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 and then explore the themes around integri- integrity and authenticity and so on. But it's, am I doing the right thing? Um, wow. And if and if a leader doesn't care about that question, my view is they're not leading. Okay. And and are a lot of your
0: the people you work with is is that something that senior leaders are talking to you about, saying they feel they want to be doing the right thing and that they're not
1: constantly constantly. That's, that,
0: that, that, that's amazing. Because <clears throat> you know something, John. For me, and I think it's really important to put this on the podcast. It can it's a it's a lonely place in leadership at times. Particularly if you look at all of the you know the reports coming out. Even me, you know, I'm challenging how do we improve leadership, make it more inclusive, et cetera. But to hear from you that your clients are aware that they want to be serving that way, but it's just really really hard, is brilliant to hear. Brilliant to yeah. hear. <laughs> I,
1: I, I like I, I like the, your notion of serving or service. You know, as Ob Dylan would have said, you know you've got to serve somebody Uh, and there's a reality and, and, and you know, that's the encouraging and optimistic thing about that. I derive from working with these senior and they're talented. These are talented men, talented women, um, and they care about doing the right thing. They care about being of of service. Um, I think the more egocentric, selfish ones perhaps come and and go. Um, Maybe they get found out along the way, but, there are a lot of folk out there who yeah want to do the right thing
0: wonderful 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 look how can people reach you john how can they get hold of you if they want to follow up or they're interested to learn more about the gc index or, or just speak to you as john
1: oh listen just google gc index you'll you'll yeah you
0: are you're doctor you're, you're you are, you are doctor gc index so people will find you
1: <laughs> they will find me yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, look, I'll put those uh, contact details in the show notes as well as a link to uh, GC Index. And thank you so much, John, for your time today. It's been great to chat. Well,
1: great pleasure, Gary. In been fun. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Hi there, just Gary Turner wrapping up this awesome podcast with John Mervyn Smith from the GC Index. As always, many many takeaways for me, but I think key ones I'd like to share with you were around this this ongoing challenge that children lack self confidence suddenly suddenly becoming aware of themselves and their impact on others at a sort of age of six seven eight. Um, I think just just something we need to be reflecting upon because we're we're trying more and more to go back to that childlike state, and uh, that's when we're talking about play, when we're talking about trying to operate within a safe environment. This is all about trying to create a space for us to be free and to challenge and to innovate and to create. And it's just really interesting that time and time again, we keep reflecting on the fact that from quite a young age, we knock creativity and innovation and passion out of, uh, out of young people through the education system and learnt behaviours. So I thought that was quite an interesting reflection. It's also really, really good fun, um just to talk again about this sort of three mind consciousness thoughts and how that might be bridging with some of what John was thinking i'm really, really fascinated to to pick that up with John again um, in more detail as we go forward, and I think we're pretty much pointing the same way, but from different angles. I think what is lovely to hear him talk about the fact that the he had one of his um, managers Bill believed in him at the age of twenty three and it really catapulted him forward in his career and in his, uh, his areas of interest this just makes me think about again the everybody matters book that I've read recently a couple of times by Raj Sasodia and Barry Waymiller you know if we feel that we belong if we feel that we matter within our work organization and with the work that we do that is absolutely transformative it just truly truly is I also liked hearing John talk about the fact that it's not enough just to be these days you have to make an impact and that's where the GC index is really, really helpful as it measures your proclivity or your natural energy based on obsession and imagination. It's a tool that I can totally rate. It's really the most accurate tool that I've used. And again, it's a tool that doesn't put you in a box. It's very much about you showing up based on your energy uh, in in different ways. And again, uh, as you will hear very often on this podcast, there's another shout out to Perry Timms who, uh, who introduced me to the GC index. And then finally, with regards to inclusion, the, one of the passion areas of John, he spoke about the fact that we need your contribution at this point because it is different. That's the sort of language we need to be using when we're trying to include people in decision-making or collaboration or innovation. You know, We need to be actively and intentionally seeking people with different views from ours, as that's the way that we're going to, to, to push up to the edge, push up to the boundaries. So I hope that this resonates. As always, great if you could leave us a review on the iPod. Uh, Sorry, on the Apple iTunes podcast app. That'd be much appreciated. And in the meantime, until next time, all the very best for now. Thank you.